I know when I know how uh, Ramadan changes people. <laughs> when your when your youngest son comes up to me, hugs me. What is it? What just? <laughs> that's very rare. <laughs> Ramadan changes people. I know now. In fact, <laughs> after experiencing that, it's a very unusual hug, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> So yesterday we started the ayah That when they meet the believers they say we believe But when they are alone with their evil ones they say We're really with you, we were only mocking So we talked about the first ayah uh, Or the first half of the ayah yesterday Saying that when it is said to them and when they meet the believers, they say, we believe. And we had said, if we take this in context, and if we take this as a chronology in terms of the conversations that they were having, the first meeting, they were telling them that, you know, we're just here to try to fix things. The second one, they became more aggressive. And then we said the third meeting, or, you know, with continuous meetings, what had happened was that eventually they, they kind of gave up. And they said, you know, yes, we, we believe just like uh, you believe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَىٰ شَيَاطِينِهِمْ so, so it's interesting the, the use of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala How he describes them He says, but when they're alone The translation here is with their evil ones But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he uses the word shayateen He says, when they're alone With their, their shayateen He doesn't say with the shayateen He says, when they're alone with their shayateen قَالُوا إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ They say, we're really with you But we were only mocking, we were only joking so the first part of the ayah we had talked about yesterday, today, inshallah, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the middle, saying that, وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَىٰ And when they are alone with their shayateen. So what are some things that stand out to you guys with concerning this ayah, and what are some benefits that we can take from it? Well, they're saying they're, they're devils, so it's not like ours, our... So... Uh-huh. ...the shaytan. Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes them as? Shayati. So what can we benefit from that? What is something that we learn from that? Don't gather with the... Hmm? Don't gather with the... Well, it's, it's important to have good companionship, no doubt. I, I, that's definitely something we can benefit from this. But what else can we benefit from? Are you, are you hiding now? Are you hiding behind Ramiz? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of space. I mean, I, I understand we're a bit crowded today, mashallah, but... <laughs> still, still on. <laughs> so, so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, this is something that's very important, that we should always keep good companionship, no doubt about that. But what else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's describing who is shayateen? The munafiqeen. Huh? He, huh? He's describing human beings. The woman. Huh? No, there's no, there are no women here. <laughs> this, is, this is universal. It applies to both men and women. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not really sure how you pulled that one out, but. <laughs> so, so. Wow. Um, I'm, 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 I'm sad to hear you've had such bad experiences. <laughs> Inshallah, we'll try to get you a better experience. <laughs> What's going on? I'm, I'm not really sure where the conversation ended up going, but let's go back to, to the munafiqeen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's, uh, we're in ayah number 14. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a lesson for us in that the shayateen are not just from the jinn. They can also be... Shayateen al-ins and shayateen al-jinn. And this is something that's really important and something for us to remember. And this is a big benefit for us. That not all people that we come across in our lives are going to be good. Uh, they're not. They're not all going to be good people, and some of them will actually be shayateen. Some of them will actually be shayateen. And another thing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does here. What else can we benefit from this one? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "But when they are alone with their shayateen, when they are alone with their evil ones, that's when their true self comes out. Okay. Because when, when they're from others, they're you know." Uh-huh. They have two faces. They're, they're two faced. Mashallah. Very good. I think that's that's an excellent benefit. That there are individuals that we will see in our lives that are two faced. That they might lie to your face, but they believe something else when they're with their own people or their, when they're with their own group. Like the Without focusing on, 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 on women, it, 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 is, it, it is very. 
this is this is universal, and it, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uses the dhamir hum, which applies to both male and female, so it can be either gender <coughs> without being gender specific. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Alaikum assalam. I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. It's okay. You well, you, you already have. So what we're actually going to get into the ayat that do with the beginning of creation and what happened between Adam and Hawa and the role of Shaitan in that relationship and what what was actually the greater purpose or the greater goal of that. Um, and the, the role of women in general, inshallah, is something that we can definitely discuss. But again, we'll probably get into more of that when we start talking about the beginning of creation. And it's in a few ayat. It's, it's, not, it's not too far ahead. It's not too far ahead. You heard, right? Inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> we're aiming for three ayat. <laughs> <laughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala No, but I'm saying that what is the, the, Being two-faced, I think that's a great benefit That's something that we can definitely take from this ayah What else can we take from this ayah? What else can we benefit? I think the point Nala says they're evil uh-huh. That means if, if you hang up with evil people You are one of them Okay, Okay, mashallah, good The same thing that uh, Muhammad was saying That it's very important to keep good companions And have good companionship Okay. And it meaning not 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 only are they going to shayateen, but they they themselves they themselves are also shayateen. Good, huh? Everything you do is a source of learning. Okay. So where are they learning from? They're learning from. Ah, they're learning from each other. Yes. Mashallah. Good. Okay. That's that's definitely possible. That you know you. You are who you hang out around with. Even the Prophet sallallahu he said, he said, al mu'min mir'atu mu'min. You guys know what this means? So your 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 friend or the mu'min is the mirror or is the reflection of his of his brother, right? The mu'min is a reflection of his brother, meaning that we should not be shy to show our brothers their what? Their faults. Like so, if our brother has a shortcoming, we should tell them about that shortcoming. Without obviously being insulting, but to tell them because why are we telling them? Because we want that person to be to be better. And what else stands out here in this ayah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he says, Wa Allah says when they are alone with their evil ones. What is that? Or how do we know this? Or how do, where is this information coming from? When they're alone, when you said when they're alone? When they're alone. So how do I know when they're alone? Because Allah's telling us. Right, this is a, another example of showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's infinite knowledge. And again, remember, these ayat are being recited to who? Everybody. They're being recited to everyone. Right? And, and from them are the munafiqeen. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way of telling the munafiqeen that I know what you're doing. And it's also telling the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu it's also telling the believers that these are what these individuals are doing. So be aware of that, and be aware that these plans and these schemes are going on. Um, so that's something, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good takeaway, and there's some good benefits that you guys help take out in this ayat. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, قَالُوا إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْتَحْزِيُونَ They say, we're really with you, we were only mocking. We were only mocking? Yeah. And we were we were joking, we were mocking. They're still lying. Who are they lying to, and who are they speaking to? Like, well, where is this conversation happening now? Okay, the conversation is having amongst themselves, right? It's amongst the munafiqin. They're they're talking to each other. Okay. Why do they need to have this conversation? To check themselves to make sure that their intentions are still clear. Of what they're they're clearly to... deviated. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like. It, like for example, like imagine it like this, uh-huh. like at, if you're at a job, usually you have meetings to make sure that the task is clear, right? Mm-hmm. The same objective or the whatever goal you're trying to do is the same thing. Uh-huh. So I think they're doing the same thing. Just the. I, th- I think it's more this. Allah. What? It's it's not that they're like you know a team like you know it's not like they're a solid team working together for okay. a common goal. I think it's more this. Allah. What did you say? Huh. 
they don't trust each other. They don't trust each other. Mm. They think one, each one of them they go. So, so yeah, so they they don't trust one another. And why why do you think they don't trust one another? Because well, I mean, they're liars. Because they're liars. They all. They, they all know that they're liars, right? They all know that they're liars, and they all know that they're lying. So, what reason do they have to trust each other? And and the reality is, these individuals, what do they want out of their nifaq? And what is the purpose of them hiding their Islam? Or I mean, I'm sorry, showing Islam and hiding their kufr? Uh, either they want to destroy Islam, which which is for what? Like, what, why do they want to destroy Islam? So they can have more power. Uh, so because it's 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 usually some type of political gain or it's usually some type of financial gain. There's there's some way to give them status. They think by bringing Islam down, they can bring themselves uh, up. <coughs> yes. Is there also um, a way to be sort of safe, salvaged, like mm-hmm. from? Because I I heard like like during the battle, of course, like the people who were alive did say that oh we were you just to okay. Be safe. Uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. There are, there are individuals, you know, um, they might have accepted uh, Islam superficially just so they didn't have to pay the jizya, right? Like, you know, what? I don't I don't want to pay this I don't want to pay this tax. Let me just superficially accept Islam so that I can avoid that. But again, you know, there has to be. They are showing Islam for some type of gain, whether that gain be for social status, whether it be for political status, whether it be for financial status. So that's that's something that's very important to keep in mind, and this is one of those situations. So it, it's not going to be the shayateen. The other thing about shayateen, what do what do we know about shayateen? They cause you to go straight. I'm sorry. They cause you to go right, they cause you to go straight, and not not just that. Amongst the shayateen, you have what? Ranks. You have ranks. You have ranks, and you have levels. So you have some shayateen that are low ranked, and some that are higher ranked. So the lower ranking ones, what do you think is the big difference between the lower ranking ones and the higher ranking ones? The lower ranking ones do the job. All the dirty, all the dirty work. Like, like, a, like a mafia type, type setup. That's my assumption. <laughs> level of influence. I'm sorry. Level of influence. Yeah. I mean, it could be level of influence. That's definitely part of it. And what are some other ways? They turn to, hmm? they turn to the higher ones. They like follow their orders. Okay, I mean, there, there could be a rank system in terms of like you know lieutenant sergeant. It, that's definitely possible. I'm sorry. One day when like, use harm to the dean itself. Okay. Uh, so over here, if we look at it in this way, because if we compare, what do we know about the jinn? What do we know about the jinn? Or even about man? You have some men, you have some individuals who have very high aspirations and very high goals. So right, so you have people who want to like you know just destroy the religion, cause the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, like like what happened in uh, in Mecca, right? So when the, the Quraysh they got together and they said we need to do something about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we need to do something about him. So what happened? Ah, so there was, there was an old man who was sitting in the corner of the room and he said out to him, he said, why don't you kill Muhammad? That's all he said. And they said, how are we going to do that? We're going to cause a political rift. You know, I mean, the tribes will they'll take revenge against one another. He said, send one representative from each of you. Right. He, he's giving them ideas. And, and the thing is, why, think of him, this individual, his aspirations were very, and his goals were what? Right, not 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 clear. They're very, they're very high. He wasn't trying to get somebody to tell a lie. You know, he wasn't trying to get somebody to steal a loaf of bread. He he, you know, he he he's just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the root. I'm gonna cause the biggest problem and the biggest rift that's possible. And this is the same thing with the shouting. It's the same thing with the shouting. You have some with very low aspirations, and you have some with very high aspirations. And it would seem that this, in, even in in a worldly sense, even in a worldly sense. Who are the people who tend to be the CEOs of companies? Who are the people who tend to be the leaders? The ones who have very high aspirations, people who have high goals. Not necessarily, status, sometimes it can be inherited, and sometimes it can be, there could be a drive behind it, you know, and what really pushes someone to, to be that leader. And if the shayateen are from the humans, they can definitely have that too. I, I don't see why that would be any different. Is it also like a chain of command? Like the lower guys are just like, the new guys that came Like grunts. Before? Huh? Like grunts, like you know, they just they're just given like menial work. Yeah. No, like, I mean it's, it's I mean, like they're just like for example, like they're new to the hypocrisy and stuff like that. That I mean, you're you're gonna have all types of levels, you know. Okay. You're gonna have all types of levels, and you have all types of situations. But they didn't have that type of system. I, I don't. We don't have anything like that. Any okay. type of description like that in in the Quran. Uh, the only description we have is like you know there are some of the jinn, some of the shayateen who are more powerful, and some who aren't. And not just that, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He describes and He calls the human, some humans, shouting like he did in this ayah. 
And from from the munafiqin, you had some that were very high ranking and some that were lesser. Um, the higher ranking ones we heard about and we hear about, and the lower ranking ones we didn't really hear what they had to say. Maybe they just followed the ones who were leaders, and maybe they didn't. But is it something that's like kind of fixed and they have this organization? And say, I, I don't think it's like that. And and the main reason being this, like. A lot of organizations, whether it be the army or whether it be the police or, or you know even any type of local government, all of that chain of command is built on what? Trust. It's built on trust. So if you don't trust <laughs> the person who's above you, <laughs> that that chain of command it becomes a lot looser, and it starts it starts deteriorating, and and usually in that structure the only thing that will push you to listen to that person is power, mm. right? It's not going to be tr- it's not going to be a trust dynamic. So, like for example, in the Masjid administration, one of the reasons the Masjid administration works is because what? Trust. Because people trust each other. You, know, you don't have somebody in a position of power who can enforce themselves on and on another person. You just, you just don't have that because it's a volunteer organization. But in a situation like you know, for example, like gangs or mafia, why do they listen to the person who is above them? Because he's, right, he's more powerful than them. They're scared. Right? A lot of times it's fear. Sometimes there is an element of trust depending on the level of the uh, the activity that's done. But Wallahu alam, I, I imagine something similar applies to the to the shayateen. Isn't there uh, something that like the difference between human shayateen and the shayateen is that they keep trying, like they don't take breaks, like they keep trying to deceive people? So this is going to be on the nature of the creation, not necessarily on the nature of the individual. Okay. And uh, what, do I, what do I mean by that? The like a human being requires sleep. A rec- human being requires, you know, he has to eat. You know, he has. He need, there's, there's other things that he requires. The jinn require these things too, but to what extent? I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. We have very little description of the jinn and their nature. We just know a little bit about them. We don't know too much about them. So it's, it's difficult for me to say, okay, you know, this is, this is how they work and this is how they move. Um, yeah. Thinking of just the discussion, right? Like a very suspicious mindset. Yeah. A very suspicious mindset. That, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. Um, the only difference between this situation and that is what? They, they think they're uh, so over there, they were openly doing it, right? They were openly challenging. Islam. Over here, the difference is, is they they couldn't challenge it openly, so they're challenging it, kind of like you know behind closed doors. So the, I mean that is the main thing, and we had we had spoken about this when it when it comes to Islam, when it comes to the Muslims, one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest problems that we need to avoid as Muslims is what when we deal with each other. Hmm? I'm sorry. Oh, right, no, judging each other, which the base of that is what? Remember, the same thing we're talking about here. Uh-huh, you guys are in the right realm, but there's a word. There's a word, and it's the same thing that is applying here. Suspicion. Suspicion. I am allowed. I am not allowed to be suspicious of my Muslim brother, unless what? Unless I have a, unless I have a clear proof, right? Unless I have a clear proof. So I'm not allowed, any Muslim that's walking in the street, I can't just be like, okay, no, you know, there's something wrong with this guy, or, you know, I doubt his Islam, or I think this guy's a thief. No, you have no right to do that unless you have clear-cut evidence to accuse him with. And if you don't have evidence, then you yourself will be taken to court and you will be tried. So this thing is something that's very important to, to keep in mind when we talk about this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... He's, he's giving us insight and he's giving us knowledge of unseen and telling us what it is that they're doing in their private time. He's describing them as shayateen. Not only the people who they're going to see, but they themselves are also shayateen. And then they say, when they tell each other because they are suspicious of each other, because they are shayateen. I mean, I can't imagine shayateen being very trustworthy, <laughs> trustworthy beings or people. All right. So they, this distrust, they keep telling each other what? That, no, no, no. Where? We're just we're, we're with you, like we're with you, and you know, don't worry, you know we're we're on the same page, we're with you, and that we all have the same goal. We to them we were only what? Mustahzim. Uh, we're we're only joking, we're only joking, and and by joking, it, the, this translation is actually interesting when he says we were only mocking, or we were only joking. In what sense? How how is it a joke? Like they don't actually believe. Huh? Like they don't actually. Believe. Okay, they don't actually believe it. Okay. 
right? They're, they don't take the deen seriously, mm-hmm. right? They don't take this religion that the Prophet Muhammad and the believers are on. They're not, they're not taking it seriously. So it, when you're telling them, it's like someone saying, uh, "Hey, you know, the Earth is flat." Be like, "Yeah, yeah, it is." Right, and you know, so and then when you go back to your friends, you'll be like, "Yeah, can you believe it? This guy he thinks he thinks the Earth is flat." But why did you tell him that when you go back, you say, "Yeah, psh, I was just joking." I'm like, "I don't, I don't believe that garbage." So it's it's the same same type of situation. Yes. And like when they when they're insulting, they're not using like crazy words or like bad, mm-hmm. super bad words. So they they're calling them fools. Uh huh. Right. So you, when you say fools, you can't you know kind of say, "Hey, I was joking," uh-huh. rather than like using a super bad word. And hurting, hurting someone mm-hmm. in, a, in a damaging way. Okay, so they're they're not so even the vocabulary is not. Okay, you know, it's it's not it's not extremely insulting yes. is what you're saying. Not just that, there there are instances where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He took the the least insulting words that they used, mm-hmm. and He's using that as an example. Because when you, you have this other ayah where there were no munafiqeen who were actually making fun of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu um, And this was the ayah that I had alluded to previously where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says إِنَّمَا نَخُودُ وَنَلْعَبُ I'll bring up the ayah, inshallah. Sure. So when we say worshiping the shaitan, what, do we, what does that mean? Like, you know, they pretend that they're believers, but they're really not the believers. They're, you know, uh, you know how these people are devil worshippers and what have you. That they're, so the, I, I think, it, so idol worshiping is different. Yeah. Devil worshiping, I think, is a relatively newer phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is something that was classically done. Uh, classically, gods were always looked at as benevolent beings, even if they had shortcomings. Uh, they were always looked at sources of benefit. They weren't looked at as sources of like harm or like going against the deity. The closest thing I could think of is Zoroastrianism, where they have the Ahura Mazda. They have the dual, the dual gods. You know, the the god of good and the god of evil. But like you know, open <coughs> Satan worship. I, I I think that's relatively new. I don't I don't think that was something that's very classical. I, I'd have to look into it. I don't think they wanna even us to worship. It's not like. Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing is, it it is a newer religion where you you have people who openly yeah, openly like, worship it. But like, I'm saying classic. Talk about yeah. Uh huh. He wants you leave the Islam. Uh huh. You do bad thing, but he don't want you worship him like he. That's not his main objective. Oh, it's not. Yeah, his yeah. main objective is to have you deviate. And if a result of that is that you end up worshiping, I don't think he cares. Yeah. Like, he, his his goal is like, okay, you're not Muslim. Yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, that that's good enough for him. Yeah. Tell Allah, yeah, I need to, you know, yeah. Just, so here's the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, wa la'in sa'altahum la'yakoolunna innama kunna nakhoodu wa nal'ab, qul abillahi wa ayatihi wa rasoolihi kuntum tastahzi'oon. La'ta'tadhiru qad kafartum ba'da imanikum. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in this ayah, Yet, if you were to question them, they would be sure to say, we were just chatting, just amusing ourselves. Say, were you making jokes about Allah his revelation and his messenger. Do not try to justify yourselves. You have gone from belief to disbelief. So concerning this ayah, with the reason that it was revealed is that you had a group of hypocrites who were making fun of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who were making fun of the companions. Now the interesting thing about that is we don't have any narration that tells us what they were saying. Why do you guys think that is? Because they, it could be reused by others. Okay, so that's that, keep, that, keep mocking. That's that's definitely a possibility. What else? Huh? Because they respected the Prophet Muhammad. This is how much the companions respected the Prophet Muhammad. They refused to even share the words that were insulting to him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we do not have any narration that tells us what it is that these individuals were joking about and what they were saying. Out of respect and love for the Prophet Muhammad they didn't even want to relate the things that would be insulting. Even though they themselves didn't say it. Even though they 
radiallahu anhum, they themselves didn't say it. They did not even want to relay that to have any type of negative comment being ascribed to or even being in the same sentence as our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so that this is just something that uh, I, w- I wanted to point out so is it possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing the least insulting thing that they said and using it as an example yeah that's definitely a possibility and is it possible that they were even worse and even more spiteful yeah I, that's, that's definitely a possibility too because at the end of the day they're what they're shayateen at the end of the day they're shayateen and nothing is really beyond a shaitan. Um, so, the the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or any, any questions up until this point? On this? No? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Allahu yastahzi'u bihim wa yamudduhum fi tuyanihim ya'mahoon. Allah is mocking them. Allah is the one who is actually doing ihtiza or making fun of them and allowing them more slack to wander blindly. In their insolence, I, I think that's a very good translation. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, he says here, Allah is mocking them and allowing them more slack to wander blindly in their insolence. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is doing the same thing here that he done he had done in the previous ayat, in using the insult that they had for the Muslims against them. So. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says about himself, and he begins the ayah. He begins the ayah by saying Allah. He begins the ayah by saying Allah. Even though he could have said, Yastahzi Allah. Yes, ah, Shaykh Ismail. Right, he could say, Yastahzi Allah. And it would have been completely correct. Allah could have put the verb first. Say, uh, they were mocked by Allah. If we put this in like a, in an English construction, they were mocked by Allah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't say that. He says, Allah is mocking them. Why, why do that? Emphasis. Uh, to put emphasis on what? Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the sole actor here. He's the one who is solely dealing with this situation. And, and, and to remove who from it? To remove the believers. right? To remove the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To remove the believers. Basically saying what? They didn't do anything or say anything from after what you just said. It didn't have any effect on it. Okay, what else? He's saying that I'm, I'm going to take tag. I'm going to go forth with this. Ascent. Excellent. That you don't need to worry about this. This is something I will take care of myself. You what? You keep doing you. You keep doing your job. You keep doing your dawah. You keep dealing with them the same way that you're dealing with them. Because at the end of the day, I am going to be the one that takes care of this problem for you. And that's why he started this ayah with it. Because had he said, Yastahzi'ullah, had he reversed this and said that, it's possible that not only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was doing it, but also some of the believers. And, and this opens up a door and this opens up a can of worms that is not something that is from, from the spirit of Islam. Right? It's not from the spirit of Islam. Why? Because we don't. Okay. Because it's not our duty to mock or it's not Right, it's, it's not our duty to, to, to no. deal with that right? Because, and, and not just that, remember we were talking about all Going back to all of the entire discussion that we were having On how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with these individuals And why he dealt with them in that way Right? So just imagine had, had the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ Opened the door and allowed the believers to make fun of them and to mock them What would happen? No one would come to Islam Alright, no one would come to Islam Because they'd be like, man, they just make fun of their own people you know, it's it's almost it'd be like, almost like being like in YM. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No. <laughs> with with love, right? With love. Mashallah. Yeah. Allah preserve and protect you guys. So, so no, but but in, in all in all seriousness, I mean, there's there's a reason that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala prevented us from making fun of each other and us making ridiculing each other because this prevents people and it stops people from what. Coming to Islam, it stops people from coming. It's like, what? This, this, how these guys deal with each other? Like this, where is where is the brotherhood that they talk about? You know, where is the softness that they talk about? This is a good lesson, right? <laughs> Rami still wants me to speed up. So, because <laughs> well, we, we were talking about this past too. Allah, Allah, Allah protect us all. So, 
so the the thing is, you know, all all of these things, all of these things, it's 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 really a good lesson for us. Just because this this dynamic and this conversation is happening with munafiqeen, it doesn't mean that we cannot apply these same type of rules and these same type of dealings in our own life. Because at the end of the day, superficially, these people are what Muslim. Huh? We and as long as remember, and this is something that's very important. As long as a person acts Muslim, I have to what? I have to treat him as as a Muslim. He has that right. I have no right. If somebody is coming up to me, like it could be a complete stranger walking up to me from the street and he says assalamu alaikum, automatically I need to assume what? He's Muslim. He's Muslim. Automatically. There have to be other things for me to say, okay, no, he's not. You know, if he's coming up to me in like, you know, like a pre, you know the priest uniform or something, he's wearing a cross, then obviously I know this person is a Muslim and I don't have to treat him as such. But if I have a complete stranger, and this is something that's very important, if there's a complete stranger, there's no reason for me to doubt his Islam. There's no reason for me to do that. This is something that's very important. You know, a person can be wearing, he can wear a taqiyah, he made a dhan, you saw him praying, you know, he broke fast with you. All of these are enough reason. All of these are enough reason to assume that this person is Muslim. Until something clear proves and tells us otherwise which which has to be usually him saying something him coming out and actually saying something that, no I'm not Muslim I just came here I wanted to observe I wanted to see how it was to pray whatever but up until that point we have to assume and we have to deal with him as he is and as uh, as if he's Muslim so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken care of saying that I will take care of these individuals saying Allahu yastahazi will be him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ridicules them and Allah mocks them how? By letting them continue doing what they're doing, and and what? Okay, letting them do what they're doing. How's how's that mocking them? Because the end result. I mean, like you you are working so hard, right? You're working so hard. You're scheming so hard. You're going through all of this effort, and that's gonna you're gonna end up where? In the hell in the hellfire, right? You're doing all of this work. You're just digging your grave deeper and deeper and deeper. In life as in Muslim, because this is what everybody believed in. Yeah. But like in the end? No, no, in the end Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to expose them. Right? So all of these things are a way of mocking them, really. Wait, so follow up to So is there any narration where that shows like one hypocrite that did actually convert to Islam? So there's there's a few issues with the with, with the hypocrite discussion. We don't know who all of them were, right? It's it's not like okay, it's not like Abu Huraira or Muad. He said okay, here here's the list, guys. That that that, that never happened. It never happened. The only indication of whether an individual is a hypocrite or not. Do you guys have any idea how people knew that there was a person who was a hypocrite? Huh? Messing up with what they're saying? Yes. I think Prophet Muhammad said on the stool, when the Sahabi was some of the names. Yeah, he told two of the companions. One very famous. Ha, Hudayf. Ha, And the second person who people don't know that he told them, but is a famous companion, was Abu Hurairah. So these two individuals of Prophet actually told. So what would happen during the Khilaf of Umar? During the Khilaf of Umar, Umar radiallahu what, what did he used to do? So that was one thing, right? He went to Hudayfa and he said, "Anshada kabilah." He said, "He said, swear to me by Allah that my name is not on the list of the munafiq." This is one thing. Another thing he used to do, if he wanted to determine if a person was a munafiq or not, what did he do? Uh, he he would he would look and he would say he would look around at the janazah and he's like he would look and he says, "Hudayfa here or not?" Right? He would just look around. So what does that tell us? But did he stop the janazah? No. That's one thing to point out. The second thing to point out, did Hudayfa announce? No. He just himself, he wouldn't go. If there was a janazah, he himself wouldn't go. He wouldn't stop anyone from praying. And again, why? What is the reason behind that? Because at that time, names were not important. Because the belief was that these people would change. So by giving, Allah SWT giving names out loud mm-hmm. or even giving the names of these people were tarnish and kind of like bring other people down 
and okay. we expose them. Okay. Um, and what? What is? What is? What is going to be the end result of that? Like, for example, had had Hosefa came out one day and he'd be like, "Okay, guys, here's the list." Is there going to be any there's going to be internal conflict remember, remember, always remember This is something that's very important Islam is here to join the social fabric It's not here to rip it and compromise it Is it permissible to pray on a disbeliever? Huh? To pray on a disbeliever And yeah, somebody, you know, somebody comes here and be like You know, I want you, can you guys He himself is Muslim He's like, listen, my father never really converted But can you guys pray on him? We say, no, we can't so why? How come I can't pray on him? Because the Prophet prohibited it. Not not just he didn't do it. There's a difference between him وسلم, not doing something and him Prohibit. prohibiting something. If he وسلم, didn't do it, what does that mean? It's okay. I mean meaning is is jazz, it's mubah. It's it's there's not an issue with that. But if he said don't do this, what does that mean? Right? It's either gonna be haram or makruh, depending on the situation and depending on the context. But in this situation, it's tahrim. This situation is clear haram that you cannot pray on a non-Muslim. Why is it allowed to pray on the munafiq though? Because they claim. Huh? Because they're, they're claiming Islam. That's one thing. But w- now we're saying, okay, but we know that he's not a Muslim. So my question is, with the knowledge, like why didn't Hudayfa? He had this knowledge. He can't say, hey, listen, we can't pray on this guy. Okay, well, that is one aspect of it, but the greater thing and the more important thing, because listen, in Islam, you you have goals, right? There are greater goals that need to be preserved, and one of the greater goals of Islam that needs to be preserved is that that social fabric, that that idea of trust. Just imagine if people stopped praying on each other with the same accusation. Why don't Why don't you go pray at his? Oh, he's a manafiq. This, this would destroy community. I mean, right now, nobody calls each other munafiq and communities are still, being, are still being destroyed. Just imagine if it got to that level and it got to that point. It, it would be even worse. And we start picking and choosing. And it, you start picking and choosing. And not just that. At that time, during the time of the Prophet Muhammad and even into the time of the companions, they had wahi. They had revelation that actually told them that this person really was a munafiq. Now, who can tell that? No, because revelation is over. Revelation ended with the Prophet Muhammad. There's no way to tell somebody's a munafiq or not. So, on what basis am I going to decide that this person is a munafiq or this person is a true believer? Well, the Muslims, they would just start cutting each other up. It's not our job. It's not our job. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He decides. This is not up to us. And how come is it, it isn't our job? Because this causes problems. This causes more issues. It doesn't bring any solutions to anything. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, by saying that He is. He is mocking them. He's mocking them by letting them work so hard, by letting them scheme so hard, and knowing that their end result is what is a hellfire. You know, a, a lot of times it's uh, you know we, we do the same thing maybe with our friends. Like if one of our friends is really hard headed, <coughs> and he's like, no, you know, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy this, or you know, uh, nah, man, I'm I'm gonna put this engine in. It's like, okay, you don't have the tools. Like, you know, you're just gonna be wasting your money. The engine's just gonna end up sitting there. You'd be like, no, no, I got this, and then and you you really try to convince it. At, at one point, you're just like, what? It's whatever. You're like, whatever, man. Okay, go ahead, do it, do what you want. And then when it happens, like three months, six months, you know, a year goes by, and the engine's still sitting there, and the car's still sitting there. What do you what do you go up to him and tell him? I told you so. And and I right, got him. Right, it's, I, I and 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 it's. We try not to do that, but it's extremely satisfying. Right? It's extremely satisfying to go and tell. And what have you done by saying I told you so? Drift. Causing. I mean, not just causing a rift, but but you're causing animosity. You're doing all that, but at at the end of the day, you've mocked him, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, you've made fun of him. Essentially, you've made fun of him. And obviously, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is free of you know needing to want to make fun of others and do all these things. But this is His way of punishing them. This is his Azawajal's way of punishing them. Like, you want to cause harm to the religion? You want to cause harm to my messenger? You want to cause harm to my believers? Like, okay, try it. Is this like a similar concept of how, like, why, I guess you can say, these like, people who do evil acts, and why mm-hmm. they're pretending to live on? And yeah. How, like, people who do mass genocide, they're yeah. pretending to live on. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost made in their sins. SubhanAllah. You know, and, and sometimes we, we lose perspective of that. 
and we think, man, this person, you know, he's so he's so bad. He's done so many bad things. How can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow him to continue living? Or, you know, this person, he stole millions of dollars and he's still, you know, living a luxurious life. How, so how do we answer that? How do we deal with that? Because that's their test. Okay. That, that specific mm. thing they're doing, that's their test. Okay. That's what's all made these people specific an example uh-huh. for us to see what they're going through okay. and how they're manipulating their power, how they're using their power. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the contrary, see a poor person, how their test is and what they have to go through. And that is, within itself is an example. Okay, so I, I agree with the fact that it is a lesson for us. I, I definitely agree with mm-hmm. that. But the issue of the test is something that I want to go come back to. Yes? Like they have to say, Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. You, you, that's an increase of the, because who does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala test? This is this is a very important question. No, specifically, huh? The believers. And why does he test them? All of these are you guys are in the right realm. But why does Allah essentially why does Allah test the believers? You're getting very close To elevate their status To, to get them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only tests those individuals Who he Loves This is important Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only tests those individuals Who he loves So when an individual is doing evil And he keeps doing evil Where's the test? No Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he, he, What does he do? He leaves them He leaves them because they end up just wallowing in their own sin, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And this and that, compared to the Akhar, nothing. Well, nothing. nothing. Uh, there's there's a very famous hadith. A very famous hadith. There are two men. There are two men. One was given all of the pleasures and all of the all of the relaxation of this world, and he lived a very good life. And another who was very poor and who faced all types of hardship his entire life. And the person, the rich person who was well off, he was put into the hellfire, and the poor person who had a hard, a very difficult life, was put into the paradise. And the person in the hellfire will be asked, he said, "Did you experience any relaxation, any benefit in the world when you were in the world?" What will he say? He'll say, "Wallahi." He'll say, "I swear by Allah, I did not receive any ease in the world." And the person who was put in paradise, who felt and faced all types of hardship, will be asked, did you face any hardship when you were in the world? What will he say? He's, he'll say, wallahi, I swear by Allah, I did not. Why? Because he was appreciative of what he had. He's, you know, he's swearing by Allah, I didn't. He's, he's being asked a question. Yeah. And he's swearing by Allah. This is, lying isn't being appreciative, right? No, I'm saying his hardship to him, that was, that was fine. Okay. Oh, okay. You're saying subjectively. Yeah. yeah like if, if you're saying subjectively, is it like that? Mm. Okay. So like that. That's people, to us. We think that this is hardship. Uh huh. And people that are going through hardship. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I, them, I. I understand what you're saying. Life. No. No. It's you're saying subjectively to him. He's like compared to this. This is yeah. no. Okay. Mashallah. Sure. How the naim is high. So he forget what. He forgot. Because of the blessing that he sees now, he completely forgot. All of the hardship that he had to deal with And we can use this as a very small parable in this world How many times have we gone through months, years X amount of hardship And all of a sudden we're given a house We're given a car, we're given a job And what happens? Well you forgot all about it It's like you know, Even people who got rich Who were poor at one time And all of a sudden they come into money and then you tell them like, hey, you know, you want to eat this, or this. It's like, I wouldn't touch that. It's like, man, you used to eat this every day, like last year. <laughs> what happened? He forgot. After all this naim, after all this benefit, he forgot. And the same thing for the person in the hellfire. It was so harsh, so extreme, that anything else he experienced, he completely forgot. In the ship, when they are in the, in the, in the ocean, and they make dry, and they see, yeah, yeah. they forget. So, and that's another good example. That, that, yeah. Allah protect us and Allah make us thankful. Uh, the, oh, the two people who the, there was one who was very poor and faced a very diff, had a very difficult life. 
Oh, uh, there was Abdullah ibn Ubayy ibn Sulul, and I can't, I can't think of another one, but there's only, like, there's only one or two that were very famous that were well known. The rest of them, you know, Allah, the Prophet he never really announced them. And, and Abdullah ibn Ubayy ibn Sulul, it was, why even share one of the Munafiqeen's names? So, so they know that, what type of people that is he associated with? Okay. Just to know that, that was present. I'm sorry. Just to, know that I was to, to, to give a real living example, like okay, not these these people. They're not a theoretical group that Allah is talking about. These are actual people that exist, and He is one of those people. And look how it changed the dealing of the Muslims with Him. How did it change the dealing with the Muslims with of of this munafiq? How what? The dealings, yani al muamala. كيف Was it rough? It it didn't change. It didn't change. That, that's the point to, to know. That even though they knew, even though they knew, so one was to give a practical example, like okay, these people do exist, and he is one of those people. And secondly, to show, okay, now that you know that this person is a munafiq, how are you? How do you? How are you going to change your dealings with them? And nobody changed their dealings with them. Oh, the Muslims. The Muslims did not. We're talking about the Muslims. We're talking about the Muslims. And remember, we said that was important. Okay, but what am I? Am I avoiding the? But not to judge uh, people. They are that, that's different. But to protect ourselves. So, to so, be okay, let's say Let's say that the the ayat of a munafiq or the signs of a munafiq are three. Do you guys know? Either hadith a kadhib, right? If he speaks, he lies. Either wa'ada, akhlaq. If he gives a promise, he breaks it. If he's given, if you entr- he's entrusted with something, he will betray your trust. I and I, I'm sorry. Three ands, or it could be or. No, these these are three uh, these are three signs of the munafiq. And if all, basically, if all three of them you find in one person, then he is a munafiq. But a munafiq in what sense? You know, maybe this person just has bad dealings. This person isn't trustworthy. This doesn't mean that, okay, I find these three things. You know, I don't sit there with a checklist. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, this is, it, that's not what the idea is. Why did the Prophet say something? Why did he even share something like this? Or why would he even tell us something like this? Right, he, this, that's what the point is. The point isn't for, okay, all right, Jazakallah khair, Ya Rasulullah. I got my checklist ready. And I, I can go and start testing people. That's not the point. The purpose was for us to look internally and be like, do I have these signs? Do I have these character flaws or not? And these are some of them. And we have other hadith that, that talk about other, other, uh, other signs. But at the end of the day, even if a person has all of these things, is it necessary that he disbelieves in Allah? No. These are just things that the Prophet again was warning us, say, hey, listen, these are characteristics you do not want to have because usually a person who has these characteristics is a munafiq. It's Does that fine. Uh, he don't say munafiq. Because even yeah, yeah. our present time now, mm-hmm. like, we'll find a lot There's of people. There's a lot. Like, <laughs> really, I'm serious. Like, no, Allah you're, you're right. You're right. So, so the thing is, like, you know, you, you do find a lot of Muslims that do these things. That's what I'm saying. When, when yeah. we were basically told not to judge them, Okay, so here, that this is a good point. There's a difference between judging someone in two ways. Meaning, I cannot look at people and judge their relationship with Allah. Does, it, does that make sense? Yes. Meaning, I can't look at you and be like, all right, yeah, you're definitely Iman 27. Uh, he's, he's 16. You know, he's 42. That this, this is the type of judgment that is haram. I'm not allowed to judge an individual's relationship with Allah. At the same time, uh-huh. there are signs of no, so now that that's the second type of judging. If somebody's a lie, if somebody lies all the time, there's no issue with me calling him a liar. If somebody steals, there's no issue with me calling him a, a thief. You cannot call him a Yeah, I can't call him a nafiq. That's different because remember, what the, the issue of nifaq is between him and Allah. There's no way for me to decide that. There's no way for me to open up his heart and be like, "Yep, I was right. All right, good luck." No, it it it, it doesn't work like that, right? But but when I am dealing with people, when I am dealing with individuals. And there's somebody who is a cheater, somebody who's known to cheat in the community. Should I do business with him? No. No. And someone might say, but he, you know, he comes to the masjid and he prays five salah, and you know, look at how long his beard is. No. These. Does that mean that this person does not cheat? No. Because all of those things that he does is for 
It's prohibited Allah. It has nothing to do with me. Yes? In what sense? It de- it de- even that, it depends. So, for example, if you have, uh, like, our, our mayor, I'll use our mayor as an example, uh, John McCormick. He comes to the masjid. Um, he's helped us with zoning issues. He's helped us with policing. He's helped us with other things. So, if there's a relationship that there's give and take and then the Muslims are benefiting from, I don't see a problem with that. Um, I'm friends with one of the rabbis. So, you know, he invites me over his house. I invite him over my house. You know, we're, we're, fam- we're family friends. It's just a mutual benefit. We sit down, we talk about things. Sometimes we talk about different rulings. We talk about how we can work together. So they had a, uh, they had a fast about a month ago, two months ago, where they were fasting and they said, hey, it's against our religion to even purchase the food to break our fast. Can, can, your, can your community buy us the bread so we can break our fast? Hmm? So what did we do? We, not, not only did we buy the bread, we delivered it to them. You know, we, took it, we took it to the synagogue. I'm sorry. Their fast is very similar to ours, so they. No, so when when they have they have prohibitions on purchasing and eating. That was part of the the fast. So the thing is, they had no way to actually get access to it, and if they didn't, they'd have to delay it until the time to break fast. Meaning that once they broke their fast, then they'd have to go. And there's nothing for them to break their fast on. But I want to understand how do they break the fast? By eating, just same same way we do. But they they cannot buy it. That means yeah. they have to prepare it by themselves. That's how they have to do it. Well, Allah, I don't know. I, I don't know the details for me. Yeah, he, he it was something that he had presented. I said, yeah, I, I, that's fine. Somebody else. So so the thing is, okay, why do we do that? Why do we work with them? Because we benefit from them, and they could benefit. Huh. From because them. there's mutual benefit. How is there mutual benefit? Every time there's been an issue, every time there's been a problem, they'll, back they'll, they'll come and back us up. They'll give us political support. Which is a big thing. Which is, which is a big thing. Now, where does this become an issue if I start supporting people who are trying to harm Islam? Mm. This is a problem. This is a huge issue. Well, and this is... When, when, huh? Sorry. What about if you have um, you know, a non-Muslim mm-hmm. person who Sure. So this is this is a good question. Where should my allegiances be? Where should my alliances lie? So if I have two people who are well, no, if I have two people who are running, I have a Muslim that's running for mayor, and I have a non-Muslim that's running for mayor. You know what I'm going to do as an individual? Which one is going to be more helpful to? To the Muslim community, I have to look at their policies. Now, if the mayor, he's more conservative, he doesn't want to introduce LGBT education into the schools, he ha- he's pretty open with religious zoning, regardless of the religion, and then you have the Muslim, the Muslim is okay with introducing LGBT into the schools. The Muslim, he wants to remove, he wants to add taxation into uh, the nonprofit communities, right? So in this situation, who is it better for me to vote for? Non-Muslim. The non-Muslim. I have two, I have a Muslim and I have a non-Muslim, and both of them have generally equal platforms. They're both the same. They both are, have very similar policies. Who should I vote for? This, in this situation, I would vote for the Muslim. I would give him preference, or I would give her preference. So what the better leader is? Because it's about qualifications. It's, Islam is not, it's not about identity politics. There is eligibility in some things. There is eligibility in some things. So there are many issues in the state, because in the, in the Islamic State, initially, you only had Muslims who were in leadership positions. But when, you start, when the empire started expanding, especially under the Abbasis and the Ottomans and the Seljuks and the Zanjir, and like even, even amongst the, uh, the Sultans and these different people, they had non-Muslims in, in position. He was never the primary leader. He wasn't the leader of the state. But having lesser positions, they were given to non-Muslims. Why? Because they were trustworthy, because they carried out their duties, because they were qualified or whatever. So, I mean, that, that's fine. Within an Islamic uh, structure, th- there's no issue with that. Only the issue with the religion. Uh, the re- and the religious, this is where it comes into play. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, we can't hire a Christian to be an imam. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Or I can't, I can't hire somebody who, who claims to be homosexual to be our tafsir teacher, our Quran teacher in the Sunday school. Why? No, because we have eligibility requirements. Mm-hmm. Right? There are certain things that a person is eligible for that you can't put them into those positions. 
It, it, very simply. The, the religious institutions are the ver some of the very few institutions that remain that can still discriminate. Does that, does that make sense? Like we're, we're still allowed to discriminate, meaning that the nobody can ever sue the masjid because we don't hire a, a woman as an imam. Even though if you go out into the world, yeah, the rest of the United States, if someone says, hey, I want to apply for this position, I say, no, you are not eligible. Why am I not eligible? Because you're a female. What is going to happen? Lawsuit. Immediately. None of you, because this is a civil liberty. It's something that's protected by the Constitution. But in, in, in religious institutions, there are particular roles that are gender specific, and those institutions are an exception to that, meaning that they are allowed to discriminate for that. Okay? So it, it is very much qualification based when it comes to uh, these leadership positions. So I, have, I have a comment. Yes. So when I'm looking at these eyes, sorry, mm -hmm. and the action of Umar al yeah. and the action of Prophet Muhammad al-Salam. So sorry. These are, it should reflect more for ourselves. This is more reflection. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And guessing who's... No, yeah, it, 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 because that's not our job. Our job isn't to police other people. Even during the time of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, during the time of the companions, even the, it's never been our job to police other people. It's never been our job to walk around with a checklist and be like, okay, what's going on yeah, with these people? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you never had this. You never because it creates suspicion in the community, and, and and not just that, how they dealt with each other when they had differences of opinion, how they dealt with each other when they didn't agree on things. Well, it's very different than how we deal with each other. So, and, and if we think about that, if we think about that. Does policing have a benefit to it? If I'm sitting there, you know, after salah, be like, your shorts are too short, you need to go pray again. Does that bring benefit to the community? Why? Or because you're, you're, you're scaring people away, you're pushing people away. Because sometimes, he, even like, he doesn't have other clothes. He, he, no, he, no, I mean, he might not have clothes. He might have, there are a million excuses, right? There are a million yes. reasons. Now, there are limits to that, meaning if somebody's coming and disrespecting the masjid, that's different. That's different. You know, if, if uh, a guy walks in with his girlfriend, she's wearing a miniskirt, and it, would I say, yes, please, welcome, Juan, you need to be patient, should, should I allow that? No, absolutely not. I'd be like, listen, this is a house of worship. You need to come, if you want to come, you're more than welcome to, but please come modestly. So, there, there are lines that we draw. It's not like, okay, you know, we just give everybody a free open hand. No. There are lines, but that line comes to disrespect. When somebody's coming, because disrespect means that you're coming and you're actually insulting the masjid. There's a difference between insulting the masjid and insulting yes. me. You can insult me all day. That's fine. Because at the end of the day, that's between me and you. When you start coming and you're, you know, you're insulting the masjid or you're policing other people, you cause distrust and you cause a disruption in the community. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that has ever been encouraged historically. It's never been encouraged by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala doesn't talk about this. This doesn't mean that when we talk about how the community deals with each other, we always encourage each other, and we encourage each other to do good. We don't police each other. There's a big difference. What is what is the difference? What is the difference between the community members encouraging each other and policing each other? So, so one example would be when there's a person in the where they were. Somebody was making wrong. Good. And uh, they started making wrong next one, and they asked him, uh -huh. "You check our wrong." So that, that shows the wisdom uh -huh. etiquette. So encouraging each other, meaning that we we actually try to educate each other. We actually try to have conversations with each other. That's that's something that's missing. Well, policing is dictating. Policing is dictating. You can't dress like that. You can't walk like that. You can't stand like that. You you have to hold your hands like this. This just causes, this is arrogance, it just causes distrust, it causes disunity, it causes a rift, and this is completely against, again, that social fabric, that community that is trying to be established. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he closes the ayah by saying, That they, allowing them more slack to wander blindly in their insolence. What do you guys think about that? What, and what kind of what kind of images does that create? It's not that it's not that they're physically blind. Okay. It's so, blind. Like this, it's a spiritual blindness. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is talking about and they're just completely want they're completely lost. Like these individuals are completely lost, meaning that they're working for something and what? 
they have no idea where the end result is and where this thing that, that's taking them. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, all, all of these different ayat, they, and they think they're right, they think they're doing something, but the reality is that when you work for your, when you feed your ego, when you feed your nafs, where is your nafs going to lead you? It's going to lead you to halak, it's going to lead you to destruction. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is He allowing them to do? Yamudduhum fi And He allows them, He's giving them slack and He allows them to wander in, in, in their insolence. In their insolence. SubhanAllah. But I mean, it's, it, this is the, just the, the imagery that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is creating here and telling us what is happening to the, these individuals and the end result of what it is. But uh, inshallah, I mean, we're, we're, the time is up, but this is what I, I wanted to close with. There, there, I actually did want to express this and talk about this a little bit more. But uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. Any questions before we close? Uh, tomorrow, I will, I will try. The, the problem is last year what had happened was the, because of the khatam, it went so long. It was like, I think it was about like a half hour until the uh, until qiyam. So let, let's see what happens tomorrow. We'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. Uh, don't, I'm just mentioning it ahead of time that there is a chance that we, we don't. Or if we do, it might be really short. Maybe like 10, 15 minutes. So we can have it, we can have it like uh, after Fajr? After Fajr? Well, I don't know if the, you guys are going to be able to hang, hang after Fajr. That was just look at Let's see how it goes, inshallah. Let's, let's see how it goes. So what what I was thinking about uh